Hello, welcome to the 13th episode of Inside the Brain Of, where I will interview a manual therapist to get inside their brain and try to understand how they incorporate neurokinetic therapy into their approach to patient or client management. My name is Eric Nelson. I'm a board-certified sports chiropractor and NKT instructor. If you're listening and you're not an NKT provider, hopefully this podcast will give you some insight as to what NKT is and how you can utilize it to help your patients or clients. Also, make sure you like and share the Inside Your Brain Facebook page. Also, these podcasts are now available on iTunes, so if you utilize iTunes and enjoy the podcast, make sure you write a positive review. Thanks. And as always, you can always contact me on Facebook, or you can send me an email at cairorehab at hotmail.com. I've received a lot of good feedback, a lot of good constructive criticism, and I try to um, make some changes uh, so that we can please everyone. So please uh, feel free. Also, some people have uh, suggested some, some people to interview. I'm always up for that. So I, uh, before we get into the interview, I would like to share a, a, a few thoughts. And um, I read a couple of things today online um, that really got me uh, thinking about a couple of things. But uh, first is um, when I teach a level one class, the first thing I do is welcome all the new students, not only to the class, but also to the NKT community. And I've said it before, but we have such an incredible community of so many different healthcare providers and, and trainers and, and coaches and golf pros and kettlebell instructors and CrossFit coaches and owners. Uh, it's pretty amazing on top of all those healthcare providers. Um, so uh, one huge thing about this community um, that David has helped to create is our online presence on Facebook on our scholars page which again you have to be uh, you have to have taken a class to be to participate in but it's such an incredible community and such a, an incredible place because it not only provides you a, t- a chance to learn but it also provides you a chance to become a teacher and I think we all know that if you can teach, that really shows that you really understand and know the material. But like I said, the online community, the Facebook Scholars page, really offers that opportunity. Uh, so, for example, um, you know, every few weeks we have new classes, and, and NKT is growing tremendously. But nevertheless, people come on, they join the page, and sure enough, we see about the same five or ten questions. And um, it's pretty interesting because what you see is people immediately answer these questions. And as I was looking at some of those similar ones today, I noticed that a lot of people answering them were the same ones that were asking them a few weeks ago, a few months ago, even last year. So again, it not only provides you a chance to learn, but also a chance to teach and help others. And I think that's that, that, that's pretty amazing. Now, I also read... Um, a couple things on the Facebook page today, and um, one thing that I read and it happens every so often from new practitioners or even some experienced ones is that they get frustrated with their learning experience. They're having a tough time. They're not quite sure what they're doing. They're not getting the results they expect, and they struggle. So (coughs) today (coughs) I read an excellent post by my good friend Sean Kitzman, from Michigan, who's going to be hosting me in a few months to come teach at Level 1, he wrote, an, he, he wrote a really nice post that I wanted to share with you um, real quick. So this is 
Sean, and he said, I, have, I will have been practicing NKT for two years this September, and I've had lots of amazing stories, but I've also had many, many, many frustrating days. In the beginning, I remember starting off the day with nothing but NKT, and by one or two, I was like, screw it, I'm going back to my old stuff, because it's easy and I don't have to think. For those of you new, newer practitioners, have patience with practice, and you will get there. Remember what Thomas Wells has said multiple times. NKT Level 1 used to be a multiple weekend course, and now it's been condensed into a weekend course. I think the layout and the material are very well organized, but like anything else, the implementation of it in your practice is the tough part. As has been said before, practice, 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 and reach out to those practitioners who you have met as TAs, fellow classmates, or people you see on this page who you can go to when you're having questions. For me, early on, Joseph Schwartz was a lifeline and really helped to keep me sane. He also gives me insights as to where to look next. Have fun with it. Practice makes improvement. I think that's such an incredible post, and I almost think it should be pinned to the page for everyone to read because, again, even the experienced practitioners have gone through these same things. And the big points here are keep practicing and reach out uh, to people. Find someone you know to, to to use as a mentor, and they will guide you. As as Sean said, Joseph Schwartz um, really helped him out and continues to help him out. Uh, you know, again, don't be afraid to reach out. You know, and another thing I read today too online uh, <coughs> that really um, spoke a lot to me along the same vein. Um, you know, is again with people. In fact, one of uh, my friends uh, commented on this post that she um, had one of those tough days today and was like, "Screw it, this isn't working for me." Um, you know, I'll reevaluate in the morning. And um, so, shortly after I read this stuff, I read a quote uh, by Maya Angelou, um, the late Maya Angelou, who just passed away uh, uh, yesterday, I believe. And um, she she says, "We may encounter many defeats." but we must not be defeated. And I think that speaks volumes to what we as practitioners are going through. We're learning new ideas, and we struggle with it sometimes. But there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and what we have difficulty with today will help us prepare for tomorrow. And I see that all the time. I have much less defeats in my practice now than I had two weeks ago. Uh, they're still there, but they're much less. As I get better and more knowledgeable and know where to look, my results get better. So, again, really speaks words to me. And, I, again, hold the, stay the course, reach out, because there's plenty of us out there that will help. I answer questions all the time from people, and I, I like it, because not only does it help them, but it also helps me. And, again, not only am I a teacher, I'm also a student, and I have a lot to learn. And that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast is because, again, there's so many incredible practitioners from all different professions that utilize NKT, and I know that I'm curious about how they incorporate NKT into their approach to patient management. And I figured that if if I'm curious, there must be others, <coughs> others who are too. In fact, again, I've received some great feedback on each episode, uh, and I can look forward and I look forward to interviewing as many NKT providers as I possibly can. Again, I'm continually amazed by the variety of practitioners that utilize NKT. It's really, really an amazing community. And tonight, I'm excited excited to speak with a person who I've known for the past few years. In fact, I've taken all three levels of NKT with him. 
He hosted and assisted me for a level one class in New Jersey in December of uh, 2013, and he's someone that I respect tremendously and know that his knowledge and movement, and in particular the emotional component of a person's issue, is top-notch. So tonight, I'm excited to get inside the brain and learn from corrective exercise specialist John Taff, 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 also known as John the Greek. I knew I was going to mess that up. Hey, John, how's it going? How you doing? I just should have said that ahead of time. Just say John the Greek because you're going to... <laughs> I had it, though. I was so proud of myself. Say it again. John Taffa. Duh. Okay. All right. I got it. We're good. Okay. Excellent. So, hey, how's it going tonight? I know I'm keeping you up good. late, so sorry about that. All right. <clears throat> no, it's all good. It's all good. Excellent. So, um, you know, like I said, uh, you know, in my intro to you, I've known you for for a little while now, and I'm always amazed. And you know, it, 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 when I'm in a class, even assisting, and I have an issue, I always go to you to check me out because I'm always interested to to hear your take. So I'm really excited to speak with you tonight. And first, though, why don't you tell us a little bit about your training and uh, educational background? Well, I started when I was um, basically a chubby teenager from eating all the garbage that you know going on today and thinking that that was real food and I started in the exercise world and I you know was graduating high school and said all right now I've exercised I've learned that thing you know in the gym now what so I got into exercise physiology of all things and was doing massive studies in college and then realized I can't really get a job and do anything <laughs> over and over again in, in that field so I wanted to get more into rehabilitation and exercise and movement and you know, what real people do every day. You know, we don't go up in spaceships every day, so. Um, We'd like to. So I the, yeah, definitely. Um, so then, for, you know, from there, I just, you know, learned everything I could because high school was an absolute bore, and, you know, when I got to college, it was a real sponge, so I got heavily into that and, and then said I had enough of this, you know, college life, let me get start working, and, you know, started all through the gym businesses and, um, running them, you know, program program directors of gyms, and then realize I got to get the hell out of these gyms because if I see another guy load up, you know, the leg press to do 600 pounds of calf raises, it would, you know, that scream. So um, I, I got into the, you know, left the gym business and went into personal training in one-on-one studios, and then thought I was going to kill myself there because it was utterly so quiet and peaceful, and you know, it was the opposite end of where it was. Um, and realized I needed to do my own thing and just get out there and just needed the right time for that. And that's where, I'm, where I am now in my own space and been there for three years. And um, finally, things are going the right way. So, and learning beyond anything I'd ever think I'd ever learn, you know, graduating college. You know, back then that was like kindergarten compared to what we're learning now. So, excellent. Yeah. And I know. Um based on your bio, um, that you are a Czech practitioner. So how did, um, you know, how did you come about that stuff? Well, there's different levels of Czech. So there's a holistic lifestyle coach, uh, and that's where I'm a level three practitioner of. And there's Czech practitioner levels. Uh, it's basically four levels of that. And I didn't take that route because I had all this exercise physiology background. Everything in, in, in the Czech, I, I had already learned. I just I read through the material. I just never went through that particular certification, only the holistic lifestyle coach. I just wanted to make sure that's clear. <laughs> but uh, there's also other things he has to offer as well. But 
um, I, what that led into and got me into where I am right now, in the holistic lifestyle coaching, we learn about uh, infant development and movement patterns and the emotional center um, and how they re- really relate to each other and how, you know, all movement is emotion based on, you know, the desire to move. I mean, desire is emotional, right? So that in itself shows you and proves you that you need to understand someone's going through any kind of stress in, in, in their life and, or has been, they're going to be carrying that with them with every movement pattern. So if they're not open to figuring that out, they're never going to solve their problems. That's why you see a lot of practitioners having a little stuck troubles trying to figure these patients out, um, in my opinion. Hmm. Now, do they teach you how to deal with that as a, at that level of certification? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and it comes down to getting the person to really open up and understand where it's coming from and why it's coming from that area and how it's being stored in their body, what mechanically could go uh, array, array in, you know, in that area of their body. You know, for instance, and, you know, dealing with the chakra system of, you know, every first seven years of life, you have your foundation and, and so on. Every seven years, you go through each chakra. So the first seven years of life, you have some kind of traumatic event you're going to see tons of pelvic floor disorders. You're going to see hip disorders. You're going to see all kinds of foundational errors, anything to do with the pelvis, you know, and so on, going up the chain, up to the skull. Um, and, it, and it really hits home with anybody that really understands the, the, how this system works as far as reading the body. And, you know, uh, Paul mentions, you know, this, the body is, is a, its own truth suit. You know, you walk into my studio, I, I've got your story down. You don't have to open your mouth. I already know everything that's going on with you. Just just lay on my table and let me show you. And I just re, you know, clarify that to them in a way that makes sense. So it allows them to you know, open up in a way they never would on a couch in some psychologist's office or in some therapist's office for that. You know what I mean? Because there's, you know, there's so many dividing lines between what you do. I'm in the holistic realm, so I have to encompass everything, <laughs> you know. Um, it's like the podiatrist now, who looks at your feet. <laughs> now, are people come, <coughs> coming to you with specific problems? Are they coming to work out? What, what are, how are they getting to you? Mostly it's from referral of, of pain correction, things that they, the number one story we hear every day, at least 10 times a day, I've seen 200 specialists, I've seen this, I've seen that, I've done this, I've done that. And I have to figure out a way to, you know, listen to them and empathize because I keep hearing it over and over again. And yet when they leave my studio, they leave without pain. Why is it that... Now, what's that missing link? And that's what we were talking about NKT. You know, I was able to do a lot of these things through checks work, but with the added element of the NKT, I'm able to propel that so much more. Um, and also with posturology, and that's my first thing I do with, with someone who walks in the door. I want to measure everything. I want to know what is it doing in all forms, standing, sitting, lying down, in the position of when it hurts, you know, every, everything. I want to know where your body is. And then start asking you questions, you know, through muscle testing. Excellent. Yeah. So, how did you come across NKT? Uh, I had, uh, I think, we were in our second course and that was taught. In the first course, I was basically friends with everyone who took that first course, and I hadn't heard about it until they had taken it and mentioned you have to take this stuff. Um, 
So just on their recommendation alone, I, I took it, and it felt right. And I basically muscle-tuck everything that I do. And, you know, as you saw, I, I went through every course back-to-back without skipping any, and uh, it was the right thing. It, was, it fit right in line with what I needed at that time. Awesome. Now, you mentioned posturology. What exactly is that? Where does that come from? What, you know? The, the schooling is from uh, Tampa, Florida, at Paul St. John Pain Treatment Center. Uh, they've expanded and have become actually the first personal training massage and nutrition college in the country. Um, and uh, they did that this past year. So it's really interesting. Um, so I believe it's a center for neuro, neuro uh, I'm going to screw this up, Center for Neuromuscular something or other. I'll, I'll apologize for if I screwed it up, but essentially it's Tampa, Florida and Paul St. John Pain Management Center. You'd be able to find the college, but amazing, amazing work, amazing schooling. Uh, it goes totally hand-in-hand hand with that NKT. I feel um, that if you're not measuring and looking at leg lengths and looking at pelvis distortions and things like that and actually knowing where the body is in three dimensions. So, I, I, you know, as I tell my clients, it's a... To, it's my 3D mapping system. It's my MRI, so to speak. I, I, I know where you are in all, in all space, and that's something that I'm good at. I'm terrible at memorizing names of people, but I can memorize every inch of someone's movement and body structure for some reason. I just have a neck for that. Um, awesome. So. Sounds a little similar to what uh, they're doing with anatomy and motion as far as the three-dimensional stuff. You know, yeah, that's all I see. I mean, I don't see people in clothing. I, I see naked people walking around, and that's how I'm, I see people, you know, and all their dysfunctions and everything, you know, where they're carrying their wallet and how heavy that thing is and, and just right. everything you can imagine, you know, why their pen in their pocket is causing their shoulder to dip down. Um, it, it's annoying at times, but um, very helpful when someone's on my table. Yeah, definitely. No, without a doubt. And so any other techniques that you utilize as well, too? Or what about your the breathing work that you do? Re, uh, rebirthing breath work is um, pretty amazing stuff. It's uh, I've been working with it in, in a way to help expand and allow people to go into their consciousness and, and um, go into their past where some emotions were stored and, and kept there to, until you're ready to deal with them. Um, and basically, they, they come up as uh, you enter this, this this state of breathing. It's basically a very intense, heavy, recurring breath work that um, you're actually bringing more and more uh, oxygen into your system than you're normally accustomed to. So it um, it, it opens up <laughs> these uh, pathways in your brain, basically, I, you know, opening tryptamines in your brain that can expand into the full brain. So, you know, how we only use a very small portion of our brain at one time, at, in this state you're open to, to much more capacity and you basically uh, are going through or reliving certain things that may have happened to you in, in the way that they happened to you but in, in a different perspective so that you almost step back from it so you could relive and understand why that happened and, and let go of that emotion that was tied to it physically. Uh, you know, recently I, I had done a private session with uh, an, a fellow NKT and her husband, and you know where they went was you know straight into their past, and and you know uh, for one of them we we were able to clear up most of all the things that she had many many physical problems with, especially couldn't get rid of it with NKT, and uh, we went straight into that uh, session and blew her <laughs> blew her doors away, um, but. That could, that happens to most people and doesn't happen to all people. I have to 
say that because it takes takes a lot of effort and also will to to want to go there. Some people are just not ready, um, but most people, about eighty to eighty five percent of people, can get in and and explore into that space. And when they come out, they're usually crying. They're usually expressing happiness and joy that that got released, and it's uh, pretty amazing. Interesting. Now, do you teach that? I know you've done workshops before on the on the breath work. Yeah, I, I actually I actually built my studio to um, for that reason. I I have over three thousand dollars into my stereo system, just designed to to play specific music to get people to express specific emotions. Um, so I'm basically the conductor of your emotions during that that two hour window of uh, of breathing. When um, we have an amazing library. Uh, we have over 40,000 songs to, that we play from that are of, not of this earth. <laughs> They're not on the radio and uh, amazing library. So. Interesting. Very interesting yeah. stuff, definitely. All right, excellent. Well, let's see. Um, I have one other new technique that I wanted to mention. I think I mentioned it on the scholars page, but uh, I don't know if anyone caught it. Um, basically non-local uh, therapy localization, um, sort of actually touching the specific area or muscle, um, basically look and, and imagine that you are touching that muscle and see what happens. You'll see the same results over and over again. Hmm. It'll get you more and more connected into the, the, the person so you can really read them well. Hmm. How do you go about doing that? Yeah, let's say you're doing a um, REC-FEM test, okay, or a, so, let's say a psoas test on the right leg, and you're suspecting, let's say, left pec minor, instead of reaching over and, or having the person touch or having the active therapy localization, you'd say, hey, you look into their shoulder and imagine where their pec minor is and ask it to be on, and then muscle test again. You'll see, you'll see a connection if it's, uh, if it's uh, being inhibited by that muscle. Hmm. Where does and where does this technique come from? Is this something you developed no, I, or something? No, I just something developed. It's something that was coming natural because I I work really really fast. I don't know if you've ever you've been under my hands. I run around your body really fast, and I I needed something to work faster because I want to kind of clear up things as quickly as possible. Even though I have usually an hour the first time I see someone or a half hour uh, on subsequent visits, uh, but I want to get many, many, many tests done without having to um, talk as much and basically just talk to the body faster. Hmm. Interesting. So, yeah, what does your initial visit look like? Uh, so you'd come in and, and we do a posture screening. So I'd go through the actual posturology measurements and, and see how all your um, segments line up, essentially, going through the skeleton, front to back standing, doing uh, flexion on the hip measurements, uh, doing um, plumb line as well as seated and as well as um, lying down. And through that method, you could determine whether someone has leg length discrepancies or you know, it basically the whole entire anatomy, the skeletal anatomy, um, on on 2D essentially. You're just flat planing it, um, and then you through that method you could develop your NKT patterning, and you know where to look. 
And the way I practiced this over the years was to not to tell the person not to even tell me where their pain is or any dysfunction so that they knew that I knew exactly what I was doing. And everyone said, okay, and they trusted me to do this. And every person, I was able to tell them exactly where their pain was coming from, also where their pain was being emanating into, and, and it blew their minds. And it was all through just knowing how the screening works in relationship to how the NKT works together. Mm, that's pretty interesting stuff for sure. Yes. Definitely. So would you say your initial visit was like an hour? Is that what you said? Or yeah, we, in, in the hour you were able to do the measure and then we were able to do the table work as far as finding the, uh, you know, the patterns that are not working for them. And then I go through the homework with them and make sure they do a, a couple sets with me and then I send them home with that. And usually tell them to give, give a couple weeks before they return if, if needed. And, um, you know, figure it out from there as far, as far as peeling their onion, whether it's a tiny onion or it's a giant one, you know, take it uh, every week or two at a time, depending on the situation. Interesting. So um, how about you run through some cases that you've seen maybe this week or something? Oh, I had a great one. I had, <laughs> I had a, a guy that just came in this week, um, getting a lot of referrals actually from a great office in, um, nearby, um, osteopathy office that, you know, they're, they're a lot more hands-off. They're doing a lot of prolotherapy type of things, and they needed someone to do manual stuff, so they're sending people my way. And um, this one guy just literally could barely walk down the stairs. He was he was grabbing the handrail with both hands and, like, hobbling down the stairs. And I said, whoa, this guy was serious when he said he saw 300 specialists, 300, <laughs> and spent $50,000 out of pocket um, paying for all this. And, and when I tell you the guy looked like you know, I threw him in the back of a trash compactor. Um, he, he, and all he really had <laughs> was a flat right pelvis and a tight right calf. I mean, I literally just loosened that area up. The guy stood up straighter than he's ever, you know, been. He's, he was out of pain. He, he asked me about my elevator. He says, that work? I said, yeah, it works. But where do you think you're going? You're going up the stairs. I, he said, I don't know. I said, no, no, you do know. You're going up the, those effing stairs. And I said, get up there now. And he he literally ran up the stairs and looked down at me with shock and awe in his eyes. And I said, I'll see you next week. You know, that, it, it's, it's that simple. It's just seeing things that you don't get to normally see because you're not actually measuring or, you know, figuring these things out. Um, through the whole entire system. Now, the guy's also suffered something, you know, some trauma from 9-11. He's also suffered from job loss. He's suffered from a lot of stuff. So now we're going to be working on those things. But at least physically, let's get him out of pain, you know. Right. Um, so that's a kind of typical person that will come in. I like the idea that they, they walk in with crutches and walk out carrying them, you know. That's, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um yeah, um, so, I don't know, give me another case. I'm, again, I'm interested in, in, in how you approach, you know, tell me about, like, your initial exam with someone with neck pain that you saw recently. Neck pain, let's see. Oh, um, guy, no, was he neck pain or not? No, he was playing with two. Um, hmm. Oh, I know. So this guy just came in this week, actually. Um he was one of those that I said, don't tell me anything. Let me just figure this out and see where I'm going with this. And uh, as I was going through his body, I was talking to him about um, – he had a, he had a, um, a cross pattern um, with his, his uh, bilateral psoas to the opposite um, um, cerebral mastoid. So 
he because he had that bilateral pattern, he was pulling his head forward, and it was causing him that CMJ. And as I was releasing all these uh, his uh, SCM, sorry, my dog's barking. As I was releasing his SCM, I said, you know, this could cause uh, a release of TMJ. If you have that, I said, do you have any you know, TMJ pain and you know, dysfunction in your jaw? He goes, I don't open my jaw because I um, I don't want to hear the clicking and popping noise. And I said, open and close your jaw right now. Close his jaw. Close his jaw. And he, he didn't hear anything. And he smiled and turned around at me. He goes, what the hell did you do to me? I said, I said, no, just put your body back into place um, and explain to him that that's what TMJ is. I mean, he thought it was a disease. You know, so that's the funniest thing. Some of these people think that they have a funny disease. And it's like, no, your body's just out of alignment. Excellent. So, that was Excellent. an interesting guy. Yeah, I definitely see some interesting cases. Now, I know, I mean, because I've been in your place before, and you have some some equipment there. Do you do you train people as well, too? Uh, yeah, I definitely do, and um, I'm getting about 50-50%. You know, I used, I want to get much more on the table work and start, to, you know, sending clients out to my other trainers and um, getting them busier and figuring out more complex cases. Um, but for, for training, yeah, I... I I, I like working with some slash pipes and some, you know, body weight exercises, floor work, and some gymnastic type things. Anything that is opposite to what everyone else is doing, because I want to open people up in a different way. I want to make sure that they reach beyond where they normally can. Um, you know, I have women. I teach a class twice a week, and most, mostly with women in their mid to late 40s into early 50s. And if you, I wouldn't mess with any one of these girls. I've been training for two years, and they're like, they, they're on the sled in my studio. They're pushing 550 pounds. There's a girl, a girl, 110 pounds. <laughs> you know, body weight. Um, but they're also the most flexible they've ever been in their lives. And it's just to keep their bodies healthy through the, the neurokinetics and um, also proper nutrition and and um, being happy. You know and making sure everything else in their life is as stress-free as possible. Now, <clears throat> you mentioned nutrition. What kind of um, nutritional stuff do you... Um, well, I, exp- I explain, I, I do like, sometimes I incorporate it during sessions of training. Uh, basically, I just like to teach people about food and how, how it interacts with their body and um, in a way that they understand, because people are expecting to get meal plans handed to them, and that's ridiculous. Um, and I teach people how to how to understand their body's response uh, mechanisms and thirst and hunger and satiety. What are those things? You know, do you feel them? You know, or are you just eating because it's time to eat? Um, you know, stop worrying about how many how much energy units are in a food instead of you know, where, you know, where that food came from, you know, it, was it grown in the back of a, a truck that was sprayed with some chemicals to make it turn red like a tomato, like some people eat, um, or was it organic, was it grown with love, did it have all the nutrition in the soil, and all the microorganisms, were they happy at the time, you know, that, that makes or breaks you as far as nutritionally, so just get people more in touch with reality, and um, hope to work with uh, some people in the future as far as growing food and in their own yards and understand that they could feed themselves and save, them, save themselves thousands of dollars a month on food bills, um, you know, instead of handing them a diet plan. You know, I figure it's a lot easier to teach people how to fish instead of uh, handing them a fish. Exactly. exactly. Awesome. And uh, <clears throat> so um, 
you know, we talked about some of your cases and some of your approaches here to something uh, that you had mentioned to me that I'm interested in, um, and I guess it's related to the book Power vs. Force, right? Um, you mentioned the Hawkins scale of consciousness. Um, what, what exactly is that? Can you explain that to me? It's basically a, a applied kinesiology rating system of consciousness at um, a level of zero to a thousand, essentially. Um, and it's basically just a, a numeric system to label things. For instance, you know, we label muscles and just to talk about the muscle system, you know, it's the number is the level of consciousness that um, any any one or thing is residing at. So at low levels of consciousness, you have things like anger and frustration and guilt and shame. Um, and then at the higher levels, you have neutrality. And higher than that, you have... Uh, love and so on uh, and higher than that you have you know um, uh, you know what they call Christ consciousness essentially uh, the, the the understanding and knowing that everything is okay and everything is perfect anyway and stop worrying about everything you know everything's just a story um, it's it's just an easier way to explain where someone is in their level so if they have it let's say frustration in their lives I have to now look at that level and, and work with that person at that level and to bring them to, up to the very next level and not to expect them to jump into Christ consciousness you, you understand we have to move slowly through this um, as people are working through their emotional um, baggage essentially to like clear things mm. so can you use that to de- so you use that to determine where someone is when they first come in yeah that's basically what jumps out at me uh, where they're at, what level of that, and that's how I have to learn. I, I speak a million languages, you know. I, the, outside of Greek and English, I speak a million others, and I, it's, it's all body talk. And you know, I have people who don't speak English, and I have to literally change my body language, my my vocabulary, my manner, thing for everything for every person. So that's a, a one way of kind of like grasping the understanding of consciousness. I have to literally place myself in where they would understand me because um, that's half the battle. You know, It's like if I'm working on you, you need to understand what I'm doing to you. Don't just let me do it to you. You, you understand? Right, um, right. So, so the best thing for homework, like I know they're not going to do their homework. They didn't understand what I just did to them. So hmm. you know, are they at the level of consciousness that they know that they should be doing their homework or are they going to, you know, <laughs> So how do you, um, this is very fascinating to me. I tried to pick up the book and I started reading it, but I, I had a hard time getting through the introduction. <laughs> yeah, it's better to just knock yourself over the head with it and then sleep on it. And maybe it'll absorb better because the thing the, right is so dry. Um, right. It, I think in, in short little video clips, he's a lot better off than that book. I mean, that book's great for keeping your door open in the summer, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> way better to thinking, just understand what he's talking about, you know. I, I was going to try to um, go maybe get the audio book. Maybe uh, I can listen to him a little bit better. Yeah, that's how I first got exposed to him. And then I got his second book, I, which was even worse. So, um, yeah, I would definitely get the audio version. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, excellent. I mean, it sounds pretty interesting. I mean, that's why I started reading. I'm like, wow, this sounds great, but he just couldn't, he wasn't getting into it at all. So oh, right, now that I have a better idea of what it's all about, I think that's definitely priceless because, yeah, that that is a huge part is um, patients come in and, you know, they're coming to you for lower back pain, but, geez, if they're dealing with a whole bunch of crap, how are you possibly going to get through that? 
Oh, yeah. so, I muscle test people while they're on the table, and I don't, I don't ask, I don't, I don't let them know I'm asking their body about their emotional state. I just ask them to, you know, press and hold, press and hold, and I'm literally finding out all these details about what I should be asking them and how to approach them and how to open up with them and let them know that it's okay to open up and nothing bad's going to happen. And um, they uh, they all appreciate it afterwards. They're like, how did you do that? I'm like, I'm just reading your truth suit. Your truth suit is jumping at me and yelling at me to ask you about your your your, your um, husband that you're fighting with at the time. You know what I mean? Like, and they're like, how did you know? It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's your body's telling me and speaking to me and I'm reading it through applied kinesiology techniques and chakras all that. So interesting. Yeah, no, that's that sounds pretty valuable. Can you give me an example of how you test someone for something like that? For which specifically? I don't know. Like someone comes in lower back pain, they're having some emotional stuff going on. Oh, so for instance, you know, as I'm as I'm testing, you know, the basics, you know, what I would think is causing problems, I would um I would start asking them questions and having the same muscle test. Let's say I, I, I developed a deltoid that was strong. I would pull her arm over and say, listen, now, um, just please resist me when I tap you on the wrist. As soon as I do, just resist me. And in that time, just before tapping, I would ask her body a question, you know, is this an emotional trauma, yes or no? Muscle test. Is this a, dealing with a family member? Is this dealing with a work or so on? You know, just the obvious things. And <clears throat> from there, then I'd start asking her the real questions to her and see how much they would be open to discussing or they're just like, contemplating. I don't want them to tell me anything. I just want them to realize that their body's doing something and holding a, a pattern based on that emotion. So, for instance, someone has, um, you know, you see a lot of breathing dysfunction with people who, are, who, who, who um, feel like they're being choked to death. So people in bad relationships, you see all kinds of scaly mishaps um, choking them to death, literally. Um, as I mentioned before, early trials or trauma, having pelvic uh, problems, any, anything to deal with the pelvis. Um, <clears throat> I knew a, a practitioner that had, you know, witnessed her, her uh, or knew of her father that was uh, cheating on her, her mother, and she developed a massive hemipelvis. I mean, things are just just immense as far as how they translate into the body, as far as emotions and growing up. <clears throat> now, when that comes up, what do you do? You explore those those issues. How do you deal with that at that it, moment? It's up to them. It's really about are they ready to, to or you know deal with them? Are they um, um, would they even understand them? Sometimes they're they're not in a place where they would even grasp the idea because of where they are in their consciousness. You know, of let's say bullying is someone who's in a level of consciousness of blaming blame game, you know, oh, my mother did this to me, and my, you know, that kind of person is not going to get out of that uh, paradigm until they're ready to realize it's not about the blaming, it's, you have to look ahead and look beyond that, it's, it's, um, you know, treat the world as you would like to be treated, essentially, you know, what, what is it that you want, if you're not doing it, you're not living that, you're just going to live in your little misery, so until they're ready to come out of that, it's it's really not up to me to ask. Um, but people who are, you know, I recommend start with breath work. Start with something that's, you know, non-confrontational. It's in it's in your own self. 
you don't have to tell anybody. Um, it is expressive physically, but there's no discussion. There's no need for it. It's something that you come to the conclusion at the end what has happened and you know where that took you and what you kind of you know take home from there. Um, beyond that, if they want to talk about what happened and talk about how interesting it was that they held on to all that holding pattern for no reason, they just finally realized that how glad they were that they came to class and. <laughs> You know, that's, that's fine. Um, but I always say it's just a story. People are in, I just have to find out what story are they in. That's what's most important. So identify the story and then just let it go and move on. I like that. Yeah. yeah. They're all lessons, you know, and it's people who don't want to learn their lessons. You know, you hear about, you know, people will come back in a different life, it's really because of not learning your lesson. <laughs> Why didn't you let go of that and move on? What, you know, the moving on is the learning of the lesson. Now, yeah, I mean, I guess that's my question too: is do people people just all of a sudden they they can let go and move on? Or yeah, and that's what I've seen with us, especially with uh, dealing with holding patterns. Um, uh, I recently was out. Actually, recently, I don't know if it was a couple months ago, maybe at this point, out in uh, Long Island at IET, at uh, our fellow uh, uh, trainers' um, facility, which is an amazing facility, by the way. Um, so uh, as I, I hold the breathwork session at his studio, uh, he had about, I don't know, 18 people there or so, and I would walk around and see everyone's holding patterns as you're breathing. You actually go into your actual holding patterns. You get to snap a photo of it and, and just hang it on your wall, just to laugh at it after you're done because it's, it's so amazing. I could go around the room and literally tug at their bodies and put them back into neutral and then have them continue that breathwork. And literally when they're done, they don't have that holding pattern anymore. It just, just dissolves through, through the breathwork. It literally vibrates out of you. That's pretty amazing stuff, actually. Yeah. yeah. Very interested in that. We'll have to have a conversation about that off the, uh, off the air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Excellent. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, any other things you're learning at this particular moment <laughs> or, or one of our um, classes? I mean, I know you mentioned that you're interested in with the check work and the neurodevelopmental stuff. I mean, you have any interest in learning uh, things along that line? I wanted to learn more into, I was actually learned a technique as well, primal release uh, technique. It's a very quick and easy technique, and it's just amazing. Instead of uh, causing a lot of pain in certain sensitive areas of muscle release, you could use this um, primal release technique to, um, within six repetitions, the muscle is at least 50% relaxed. And it's just so quick. Um, that's a really excellent uh, technique. Um, other than that, I'm just trying to figure out some other, um, uh, possibly some Givoyer, you know, um, lectures I'd like to catch up on and, and see what kind of uh, uh, myofascial type of movement and stretch patterns are out there that are different than what I'm already doing. I've been doing these things for, since I graduated college through, uh, there's a class called Stretching and Strengthening, believe it or not. And when I say it's like 90% of it was is just like things like Aldoa, um, just weren't called anything. It was just what I learned is stretching and strengthening. You know, it's just someone slapped a name to it. 
um, learning about the fascial lines and how to expand to every end of them and figure out where on those fascial lines that you're really caught up and where to spend the most energy in releasing. Instead of releasing everything, you can release certain specific points to un- unravel the whole system. Hmm. Interesting. Have you so have you taken uh, voyeur stuff? No, I haven't. But all, a bunch of my uh, colleagues have, and they speak, you know, very highly, obviously, of them. Um, it, I, it, I, I came across him thinking he was more of an anatomy specialist, and he is. It's, he's so much more than that. And I just didn't realize that, and that's why I never got into him early on. Um, you know, especially now learning about um, how his relationship with the movement patterning is, and. Uh, the guy's totally out of shape, but he could do all these fantastic maneuvering with his body. It's like, how does that? How is that possible? He just, you know, he just understands movement. Um, similar, to, I would say, how, do, how I, you know, figured it out. Um, one day, I picked up a golf club. A friend of mine took me into the driving range, and I don't know how to play golf at all. But within watching him for ten swings, I picked up the club, and right next to him swung. You know, and within minutes, I was doing 250, 300 yards you know, drives, and that someone from zero to that, you know, it's just understanding how the mechanics should look and feel and, um, you know, just, again, one knack I have, and I have so many things I don't have knacks on. Like I mentioned, I'm terrible at names. (laughs) (laughs) The brain is full. No more names. (laughs) Stop, definitely. Uh, teaching a class, I, um, I definitely struggle with that as well. I'm trying to get better at it, but, you know, especially when you see David. Uh, uh, I don't know how David does it. He's a freak of nature. See, he has the name brain. I've figured it out, you know. And, and the name brain people have the anatomy brains, too. And they like those, you know, memorize these long-ass, you know, names. And, and I just can't do it. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely an interesting thing there. So, um, all right, we've kind of been all over the place, but I'm um, getting back in because you know every so often you jump in on the scholars page and offer some advice. Do you have any advice for uh, new practitioners? Yeah, definitely start at the pelvis. Stop figuring out every deviation everybody has. You got to sit there all day and figure out 500, you know, disconnect. Um, in the system, but you don't have to. Just fix the pelvis, then work your way up, and you'll have a much happier uh, person you're working with. Um, you know, find more root causes being caused from there. You know, even with, you know, headache and neck pain and things like that, look at the pelvis. Pelvis is the mirror of the skull, so use it that way. You know, I start I start most always start with multifidus and, um, you know, glute and, and, and QL function first. I want to know what's going on. Is it stable? Is it, you know, sort of from its strongest functions? If it's not stable there, it's never going to be stable above. So that's my best advice I could really give. Awesome. And how about for some advanced practitioners? You know, where do you think that they should put their, their attention towards? Um, that's a toughie. <laughs> I want to say a lot about that. Um, I guess not to, um, uh, I don't want to say anything about that. I don't want to go. Well, you know, I mean, for like level two people, we ta- we teach, you know, the mm-hmm. diaphragm, the pelvic floor, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, well, yeah, your breath work and your the emotional stuff, I mean, that's definitely a more advanced type of stuff. Um, but, yeah. you know, 
definitely a little more, more advanced. I mean, I look at the obvious and, um, you know, as far as the advanced, you mean as far as figuring out someone in, you know, their gait patterns and things like that or um, yeah, yeah. what to look exactly. for. Um, I, I look for the, the largest movers, the general movers. What's a person doing all day? I mean, so many of us don't really ask a lot of questions as far as what do they really do? What's 99% of their day like? It's usually sitting on their ass. So you have to t- test these people in their seated ass position to really get a better grasp of a lot of what's going on. Um, I find that that's more um, more important to um, get them also to realize that they're doing it. Because um, you could ask them, are you sitting? And they'll go, yes. But what sitting means to them is not really what they're physically meaning. Um, to, to us, to see their body, when I say, when I say seated all day, I see a crippled person. <laughs> you know, but to them, seated is, oh, I'm just off my feet. Um, so you got to realize how much the body disassembles itself when it does hit a couch or an office chair that someone doesn't like to be at all day under uh, in, in all kinds of fluorescent light bulbs in front of a computer screen. You know what I mean? There's so many stresses going on around the person's life. How do you mimic that in your in your office space for for testing the individual? You're no, you're not even going to come close. So what I try to do is get the person to close their eyes and imagine they are in that space and that's all you really need so put the person in that space and then now start testing and watch what happens it's going to be different than when you tested them before to not ask them to do that you know tremendously oh and one other thing i'd like to add i don't know anyone who's been in my you know when i was assisting i always mention um specific breathing patterns for muscle testing as far as Anything in extension should be tested in inhalation. Anything in flexion should be tested in exhalation, specific to how your body would naturally be breathing in those patterns. So any in any extension should inhale during testing. Otherwise, you're going to get a faulty test, and then you're going to get lost in what's really weak and what's not. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. I like that. Makes sense. Definitely makes sense, without a doubt. <clears throat> Awesome. So, um, all right, great. Well, any um, are you reading any books right now? I'm actually reading about the law of all things. I just I, every every year I, I go through different uh, phases where I'm learning from um, mathematics at MIT or I'm doing online things. Uh, I just get bored and I start researching things. So right now I'm currently researching all kinds of law and um, just everything about law. <laughs> I don't know. It just started interesting me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I defer everything to my brother on that topic, being he's a lawyer. That always comes in handy. Ask him if he knows what a court of record is. Court of record, I will ask him that. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> cool. And any courses you'll be coming up on, um, assisting, teaching, taking, anything going on on your calendar? So what we're setting up right now is a lot of breathwork sessions, and um, we're going to be doing... Uh, some in Boston, and I'd like to get out to New York again, um, as well as reaching out to other places where we're reaching out a little more locally as well. And um, <clears throat> Cranford area, I believe there's a there's a studio that was interested in us coming in and um, doing day workshops instead of an actual class. So I actually do more of a workshop of um, emotional um, 
type of work I do also is emotional freedom technique and um, how to use that in conjunction with the breath work. And it's um, we're going to be doing roughly three to four hour sessions in that. Um, and hopefully, how many people do you usually like to have in those? The more the better, but usually, hopefully, 20 or more, 20 to 40 would be great. I feel it's much better when there's more people. There's much more energy in the room uh, as opposed to one or two people. Um, You know, they're nice to have, but uh, it's amazing to see some practitioners rolling around on the floor, uh, you know, during breath work. Um, It's pretty interesting because you actually can lose control of your your own body. Interesting. Now, um... On that, um, what are your, I don't I don't know much about your breathing technique. I recently took a breathing seminar myself that I really enjoyed, and it was all based on nasal breathing. Um, mm-hmm. Is that something you utilize yourself? Uh, no, and this actually is um, specific to going into the state of mind. It's different than the functional breathing that we normally would pattern ourselves with. Uh, this evokes this this high vibration through this heavily, it's a heavy mouth breathing actually. It's all through inhalations as heavy as possible through the mouth and then almost no exhalation. So you're stacking air um, over and over again until you've reached this high oxygen saturation and you literally um, just start expanding and seeing everything that you need to see. Sounds interesting. Definitely different, different take. I usually get, I usually get the wow, oh my god, um, you know that that's usually the response after someone has fully gone in, and uh, also it's timeless. So when when you're in, you think you're only in for a few minutes, and it could be in two hours straight. Um, you come out thinking, oh, that was so refreshing. It was like minutes, and they're like, no, no, that was way longer than you thought. Um, you know, a, a lot of the research is done through uh, someone named Stanislav Groff. He's a um, uh, research. Um, um, he he had done a lot of LSD with patients and how they were um, uh, able to explore different areas of the brain that normally they wouldn't be able to tap into with this. And then he he came across this breathing technique uh, and he labeled it holotropic breathing, which is meaning the whole. Um, you know, senses of everything. So he realized that you could get to the exact same place as the LSD through the breath work. Um, and it was in that space where everything was very expansive. And um, that's why it's very timeless because you see things as they are in their fullness instead of layers. You see everything all at once. Um, and that's why it's very profound the first time you go into it. And every time, I guess. It, it's, it keeps making a newer, newer person. Uh, for instance, I have a, um, a recent um, intern who I, I turned on to doing this, and it's changed his life. I mean, he went from being this quiet little kid who, like, kicks the stone in front of him as he's talking to you uh, to a kid who's very expressive and bright and open and talks to in front of groups now. And I'm talking about weeks later. <laughs> this isn't like months or years later. It was a few weeks ago he had been the quietest kid. And his, he brought his mother in to meet me. And she said, what did you do to my son? He, I've never seen him talk so much in my life. And I said, yeah, we've opened him up. You know, we've, we've, we've you know, took away all his, um, his physical characteristics of emotional trauma. Guess what he had? 
he, he went back to his, his, his actual birth, of all things, and he had a circumcision. He actually re-experienced his circumcision, and he was holding that trauma his entire life. You know, of all things, um, he, yeah. he had gotten sick when, as a child, and and had um, could he had he had been able to crawl, and then he was able to walk, and then got sick, and then couldn't walk again. He had, went back to a crawl phase, and when he went into his first breath work, he he went right to that I can't crawl phase. He literally couldn't figure out how to do the crawl again, and it was frustrated him, and that's what he was carrying literally with him. When you unlock that, that's when I saw colors come out of his head. I mean, he just you know, changed who he was completely, and he realized where, why, where it was coming from, and since then, he's completely let it go. Hmm. That's pretty, yeah, pretty interesting, interesting stuff right there. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Awesome. Excellent. Well, cool. Do you have any um, uh, final thoughts you'd like to share with us? Uh, it's 11.36. It's past <laughs> my bedtime. <laughs> um, uh, I think I think we'll cover a lot. Yeah, so we've got a lot of good talk about it too. But. <laughs> Always good, man. Well, hey, um, that was some great stuff. I, I appreciate uh, you joining me here and staying up. So, uh uh, thank you so much for joining me on episode 13. Um, upcoming uh, episodes, we've got uh, my good friend Susan McLaughlin, uh, Christopher Warden, uh, Dr. Michael Hartle, and a couple other people as well. Uh, I'll be teaching next weekend in New Jersey, level one, level two in New Jersey in August, level one in September in Detroit. October in Arizona and Atlanta was recently added there. Very excited to be getting down there. Again, as always, your feedback's appreciated, so feel free to email me at CairoRehab at Hotmail.com. Feel free to connect with me on Facebook. Shoot me a message. Uh, make sure you like uh, the Inside the Brain Facebook page. Make sure you share it with all your friends as well, too, that might be interested in NKT as well. Uh, again, thank you for joining me, and I will speak to you next time.